0: Good morning, welcome this morning, so glad that you're here, so glad that you've joined us, uh, excited about this journey that we're taking together. I want to welcome you, my name is Chris, I'm the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney, and uh, as Alex said... We're one church, multiple locations. Uh, We have our main campus, which is our Keller campus with Pastor Jeff. That's our lead pastor. Our Hazlick campus, and then we have this campus right here. You're right here with us in McKinney. We're thrilled that you are. We're so honored that you joined us. And as he said, every week it's someone's first time. That's a big deal to us. It's a big deal to Wendy and I. And uh, if I hadn't had an opportunity to meet you, I look forward to meeting you after service. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, we're continuing in our series called Seeds, and uh, it's in this series that as we unpack this principle and this truth, that we're looking at what Jesus is teaching us through the principle of Seeds. What, what does that mean? What does that look like, and and, and how do we do that? I'm going to ask you, open up your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13. We're going to get there in just a minute. I'm actually going to share a parable with you. It's actually called a meta-parable. It is a parable about parables. And Jesus often taught in this way because uh, parables were a way in which he communicated sometimes and oftentimes actually a hard truth in a story that allowed it uh, more palatable and easy for us to understand. It didn't make it any less true and didn't make it any less hard, but it certainly created an opportunity for us to embrace and understand What it was he was saying and so we're going to look at that here in just a minute We're going to unpack what that looks like and he's going to talk to us about the seed the principle of the seed And what that means what it means to us and uh, we've been laying out this principle the Bible talks a lot about seeds Um, and, And you may be wondering seeds what are we talking about just so you know if you like Coffee you like seeds if you like chocolate you like seeds If you don't like coffee or chocolate, we're praying for you. Jesus, touch them right now in the name of Jesus. You need help. Okay, I'm just kidding. You you know, the the, the principle of seeds is all around us. And as you read through the word of God, the principle of seeds is all in front of us. And and last week, we talked about how, look, we don't know what this year may hold. We don't know what 2021 will hold. But if we will embrace the potential and maximize the potential that God has in store for us, it's going to be a great year because we'll grow. We'll grow, and we we talked about a few weeks ago, we're laying out a plan, a very strategic and intentional plan, right, to help you grow. We want to see you grow, grow in your relationship with God, grow in your relationship with other people. We want to help you grow, and the potential is there. We talked about last week, the seed has potential, that if you don't like what you're getting, if you don't like what you're growing, then change what you're planting, if you plant cucumbers, you get cucumbers. Plant tomatoes, you get tomatoes. You plant squash, you get squash. You plant nothing, you get weeds. And that's what begins to happen is, you go, well, I'm not really planting anything. I'm not being real intentional. And then we look out at the field of our life and we wonder, why do I have weeds everywhere? It's not until we intentionally sit down and go, this is what I'm looking to plant. This is what I want to see produced in my life, in my marriage, in my family, with my children, that we then begin to see that come to pass. Today I want to talk to you about something that, that's so important and really help us understand what does this process look like. You see, we talked last week that the potential, for you to maximize the potential, you're going to need to participate with God in the process that he has for you. One of the ways that we do that, and we've lined that out for you, is first off, get a guide. Some of you have have already seen it on the way out. If you look to your left, there's a table there. Someone there helping, ready to serve you and help you. Get a guide. Grab one of these guides. Grab a guide for a friend. Grab a guide for a spouse. Grab a guide uh, for someone that you want to invite to your small group. Here's all I'm asking. It's a free resource. And listen, I'm telling you, the team went... Went all out. It's an amazing tool. All I'm asking is, don't let it end up in the back seat of your car, right? Don't let it end up, you know, in another pile on your desk somewhere. Take it, use it, utilize it. And then here's what I'm going to ask you to do: get in a group. I was talking to a lady right after first service. She was like, "I got." I said, "Are you in a small group?" She goes, "I did it while you were preaching." I was like, "Good. I think thank you." You know, I mean, it's like, "I'm good. You, you do what I said. Go get in a group." Why? Because if you will be intentional about getting in a group, get a God, build a relationship, and you intentionally start planting this word and doing this together, you start planting it and you're going to grow in a more significant than, way than you would if you were just by yourself. It, it's even biblical. You look at the early church. That's how it happened. They gathered together in groups. They went to the word and they applied it to their life. That's what we're asking you to do. You see, there's an intentional process that comes about. And what I want to talk to you about today is something that's really important. I think it's important to all of us. In fact, it's important to me so much so, if you were here at Prepare, the last night when we were doing pre-service prayer, we actually took a moment to stop and I said, I, I want you to just, in a, we had music playing, but just quietly, I want you to go and stop and I want you to listen to God. You see, what I want to talk to you about today is the process that happens when we it, when we embrace the process of the seed, what it looks like to hear God's voice. That's what we all want. We all are wanting to understand what does it look like to hear God's voice? And oftentimes we don't realize we can hear God's voice. He speaks to us more often than we think and we hear Him more often than we think. He wants to speak to us. But just because we have ears to hear, it doesn't mean that we do. You see... Seeds connect your ability to hear God and for you to learn how to let God into the decisions that you're trying to make. Decisions about work. Decisions about marriage. Decisions about your children. Decisions about uh, uh, decisions that your children need to make. You're trying to help them make a decision. You'll find when you're learning to hear God's voice, oftentimes you're learning to hear God's voice for someone else as well. I experienced that, I know, in, in, in my life as a parent, as a friend, as a pastor. But it's not because I have this like hotline to God and He just speaks to me more than He speaks to you. I just learned the process of understanding what it looks like to hear God's voice. You can too. We want to help you today. I want to help you today begin that process. Understand what that process looks like and begin to embrace it. You see, the Bible connects God's voice to our ability to hear. But just because you have ears doesn't mean you can hear. We have to learn the process of what that looks like. You know, I don't know if any of you in here, Wendy and I were dog people. Anyone in here, you're dog people? Okay. I don't know, maybe some of you in here, you're, you're, I won't, you know, all dogs go to heaven. They made a movie about it. I, you know, but cats, well, I won't tell you where cats go. I'm not a cat person. If you are a cat person, again, Jesus. Help them, Lord. Touch them. Okay. Uh, you know, but I mean, we're dog people. Now, I will be honest. I like dogs. We've kind of always had a dog. Stay true to my heritage. We did have chihuahuas. Wendy, of course, you know, she's like, we got to get a chihuahua. I mean, it, we just wouldn't be, you know, the right, you know, Latino family if we didn't have a chihuahua. I was like, all right, baby. So we had two chihuahuas, all right? And so we had chihuahuas. And and and, and now I'm a dog person, but Wendy's like a dog person, like like they're part of the family, so we had a dog in, in Louisiana, we had a couple, but one in particular, his name was Roscoe, now Roscoe was a minpin and that, that dog, literally, he was on all sorts of narcotics, I'm just telling you, not literally on narcotics, but it felt like literally, he was on, our, he was just all over the place, and th- this dog, had this ability, he and he was a minpin, so he was short, little stubby legs. I, mean, I don't know how he did it. It was like supernatural almost. He would get on the table, and he would begin to eat anything that was on that table. Uh, you'd put him on the table. You, you, if you put your food on that kitchen table, and you turned your back, rest assured, Roscoe's going to be on that table. He's going to eat your food. You turn around, Roscoe! He'd throw himself off the table like, what, what, me? I, I didn't do anything. You know, your food's gone. There was someone visiting our house, She thought it would be a good idea to take her teeth out and put it on the table. Guess what? Roscoe ate her teeth. (laughs) I mean, that dog ate everything. Literally, Well, back to the narcotic, ate a whole bottle of ibuprofen one day. Whole bottle. I had to take him, pump his stomach. I mean, he was the, the 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 lady that was watching him said something's wrong with Roscoe. He's walking up to me, but he's dragging his back legs. I don't know what happened. And she said, I just found a whole a uh, whole bottle of ibuprofen. He ate the whole thing. He just ate all sorts of stuff. Well, needless to say, when we were moving to Texas, Roscoe didn't make the trip. Now, that was for different circumstances, not because we didn't love Roscoe, we loved Roscoe, but but when we got here, we were here for just a little bit, and it didn't take long for Wendy, who's a dog person, some of you in here, you dog people, she's like, babe, our family's not complete, you want another child? I mean, we have another baby, what's happening here, I mean, what? she's like, we need a dog, I was like, well, whoa! our family's not complete, we need a dog? We need a dog, so we got a dog. And this is our cute little dog. And to keep with Louisiana, her name is Rue, because she's brown. If you know anything about Louisiana, you eat gumbo, you need a good Rue to make a good gumbo. Rue is brown, and so we have this dog named Rue. Now, that's Willow, she's really cute. Rue is cute, she's cute, she got long, fluffy ears. There's only one problem. Roscoe, he ate everything. Rue, she's real cute, but the problem with Rue is she don't listen. You say, Rue, come here. I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking a foreign language because she runs the other way. Rue, time to get to your kennel. She doesn't go to her kennel. We have now learned that we, this dog, this dog's gonna gain all sorts of weight. Y'all help us, pray for us, because we basically, to get this dog to do anything, we gotta give it a treat every single time. We walk around, I feel like Caesar Milan. I gotta treat my pocket all the time. You know, it's like, where did he get those things? They just come out of nowhere. I'm just trying to get this dog to do stuff, but this dog does not listen. You see, what happens is, just because this cute little dog has ears doesn't mean it's gonna listen. And just because you have ears doesn't mean that you are hearing what God just might be saying to you. You see, God wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to you to embrace the process that he has for you, for you to understand what it is that he has in store for your life. The question is, are you listening? So we look at Matthew chapter 13. and <clears throat> We're going to look at the first nine verses of Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is here, and as I said, he's speaking in a parable. This is a a technique and a way in which he taught often, and it was because he wanted to get a hard truth across in a way that we understood. He would tell a story to help us understand. And so he starts off, Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. And he says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake, and such large crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and he sat in it, While all the people stood on shore. So there's so many people that have gathered around. He actually has to get into a boat. He pushes off from shore. There's all the people. Why? What is he doing? Because in order for them to hear, he actually used the water as amplification for him to be able to teach all those that were there. Massive crowd. And then he starts out, verse 3, and it says, Then he, he told them many things in parables. So here it is, many things. He's giving principles here, and he's using what? A parable. He's using a parable. And he starts off, he says, A farmer went out and sow, to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what it was sown. So he's teaching this parable. He's teaching the people, he's teaching us. He's saying, Listen, God is the farmer. There is he uh, he's casting seed and he's actually what he wants us to understand is he is the seed and we are the soil because he says some fell on good soil. You see, the seed was the constant, but the soil changed all throughout this parable. The soil was different, but the seed was constant. And, he, and he's saying, I'm, I cast it out. And here's what's unique about this story is in this region of Galilee. Tenfold would have been amazing. That would have been excellent. If you produced tenfold worth of crop, it would have been amazing. I mean, you're killing it if you're doing that. But what does Jesus say? He doesn't stop at 10. He doesn't use man's definition in this region at this time of excellence. He says, no, it could be 30, it could be 60, it could be a hundredfold. To have a hundredfold is like unfathomable. You can't even think, you can't wrap your brain around that. The people that are listening couldn't understand that. Now, I want us to understand something. You go, man, 160, 30 times. What's he saying, Pastor Chris? He's saying some people are better than others. Well, he's actually highlighting two things here at the same time. First is this. What he's showing us is when he's talking about 160 and 30 times, remember, the soil is us. We are the soil, the condition of our soul, the condition of our heart. We're the soil. If we're good soil, we will produce. And what he's referencing is capacity. Capacity. Some of us are a hundredfold. You can carry 100-fold. Some of you, you're 60-fold. You're 30-fold. So he's talking about capacity, but he's also talking about something else here. Because when you look at the word good in the original context in the Greek, it actually ties to the principle of good, better, best. So what he's also talking about is you can have as much as you want. The potential in the seed can be 100, but the condition of the soil of your heart, even if you're good, are you going to settle for 30-fold, or do you want 100-fold in your life? Do you want to produce 100-fold, or are you going to settle for simply 30-fold? You see, we determine. He's speaking to the fact that most humans will always lean towards good enough. Finally got to the point, good enough. Man, I, you know, I'm, 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 good enough. I'm doing pretty good. I mean, we make to church about uh, uh, three times a week, you know, or three times a month. And, hey, man, we, okay, we've never been a part of small group, but we're, we, we're, we signed up for one. Now, we only went twice, but we signed up for one. You know, I'm good. At, we, we will tend towards good enough. But what Jesus is saying, you don't have to settle for 30-fold. You can be 100. You can be 100-fold. And then he goes into this, and watch what he says, verse 9. And this is what he says here. He says, whoever has ears... Let them hear. What an interesting phrase. Whoever has ears, well, we all have ears. I don't see anyone walking in that got their ears lopped off. Everyone's got them, all different shapes and sizes, some hairy, some not. We all got, but yet he's saying, You don't hear. In fact, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and right after this, the disciples didn't even understand what he was saying because the disciples said, Why do you talk in parables? Why are you doing, like you had a massive crowd? You were killing it. They all came around you. You had to get in a boat, you had to push away from shore. They're listening to you. What are you, why are you talking about? Seeds and sowing and soil. They didn't understand, they didn't get. What he was talking about and what he was getting to, what was the point? Because what happens is just because we have ears doesn't mean that we hear. You see, Jesus is saying, look, I'm the word. I am the word. I am the seed. My father is the farmer. He's casting seed. I am the seed, the good seed. And if the soil is good, everything from me is available to you. You can have as much of me as you want. But it comes down to the fact, are we willing to tend to the soil of our heart? You see, last week, when we talked about the seed, we talked about potential. This is what I said. I said, focus on the seed, not the fruit. You see, the people that are most fruitful, they just, they're planting seed. Boom, seed, seed. They're focused on the seed, and they turn around, and boom, they just have fruit everywhere. They have a fruitful life. They've made an impact and a difference in people's lives because they're focused on the seed, not the fruit. They didn't set out on the fruit. They focused on the seed. Just boom, plant, 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 plant. You see, you can have as much of God as you want because He's waiting. The same is true in your marriage. I want to have a good marriage. But you don't actually do what it takes to actually engage in conversation, to actually work on things, to actually go, no, 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 I'm going to pursue one. I mean, look, there's times where you're not always going to see eye to eye with your spouse. Shocker. Okay. I mean, Wendy and I will have passionate conversations. She's from Louisiana. She's going to let me know what she thinks and how she thinks and how she feels. She's pretty passionate about what she thinks. Well, guess what? I, I can tend to be a little passionate and opinionated myself. That can lead to passionate conversations. But at the end of the day, while we may say differently, if I'm going, no, 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 I want to have as much of God in my life as I can, then what's going to happen is I'm going to lean in to going. I want to pursue oneness with her. I want to pursue being in unity with her. So I can say I want this in my marriage or in my relationships, but if you're not doing anything to pursue it, do you really? Do you really want to grow in that way? Do you really want to see that fruit in your life? Do you really want to see that impact? But if you're not doing what it takes and you're not planting that seed, you can want all you want. That's not going to be what happens. But this is what I want to add to from last week. I want you to think about this. I want you to recognize that if you're going to focus on the seed, to focus on the seed is to care for the soil. So, so I want you to focus on the seed, not the fruit, but if you're going to focus on the seed, guess what you have to do? You got to focus on the soil. What is the soil? It's the condition of our heart. The soil is our life, our soul. How are you tending to the soul of your life? How are you contending, contending, or, or tending to the soil? Of your life, you have to begin to intentionally come in and embrace and understand that process. Creating an environment to be able to hear from God, creating an environment to be able to listen. This is what we really want. You, we, we all want to hear from God, we all want God to, to, to show up. None of us would ever go, Man, I really don't want to God, I, I really don't want God to show up and just like tell me exactly what I need to do. No, we all want God to show. Just tell me what I need to do, God. Wendy and I, even this week, praying about something, going, God, I, God, we need you to show. I mean, literally, like uh, Wendy even using those words. If God would just show me, that's what I'll do. I mean, we even knowing, hey, we want, but here's what happens. He doesn't show you every step of the way. He just shows you the next step. Why? Because at that point, you have to be committed to trusting Him and going, I'm going to tend to the soil of my heart. I'm going to continue to prepare myself to receive what God has and to listen to what He's saying and to embrace what He has for me because along the way, He's more concerned about the condition of your heart than about you understanding the full outcome of what's at the other end. He's not going to show you the full end. He'll show you what you need for today. And if you will just continue to press in, then what happens is you begin to learn to listen to the voice of God. I think about it, that's how Wendy and I even ended up here in McKinney. Some of you know this story. Some of you don't. But to make a long story short, we, we were at a church in Louisiana. We I'm from Austin. Wendy's from New Orleans. We met in Austin. We were married a year. Ended up at a church in Lafayette, Louisiana. over we there for 13 years. And it was... It was Uh, Kind of like a a church that was closely connected to Milestone Church. And and the way that they built there in Lafayette when it comes to spiritual family and and things like that is very, it's the same way we build here. So five years ago, literally at the end of next week, it'll be five years that we moved back here to Texas. Texas. Well, because we knew what we were looking for, it made it very simple. There was only one church in all of Texas we were going to end up at. Guess where it was? Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. I'd known Pastor Jeff for I mean, not, I mean, not super close, but I had known him. we had had interactions and conversations, known him for about 15 years. Many of the staff we had known for a long time. Uh, to Pastor Tyron, who oversees our next gen, we had been doing ministry together for years. He was actually from Louisiana in Texas doing ministry. I'm from Texas in Louisiana doing ministry. And, and we just had a great relationship and friendship. So we were connected. And so God brings us here. But along the way, what were we doing? God, we want to hear, what do you have for us? What's the next step? What do we need to do? How do we need to get to where we need to be? Well, there was conversations talking to Pastor Jeff, talking to to, uh, our pastor there in Lafayette. And it ended up, I remember talking to Pastor Jeff, December 28th. And a month later, we were moving into our rent house in Hazlitt, Texas. And then as we just charted on, we didn't show up and go, hey, do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? Do you know my experience? I mean, you should be really glad that I'm here. You know what? Oh, you have a campus in McKinney? You know what? I I think I need to be out there. We need to be out there because, look, people in McKinney, they need us. I mean, I mean, that's just that's who we are. I mean, we need to be no, 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 no. You know what we did just along the way, God. We trust you. We're open-handed. I'm not trying to over-analyze the end result and make the end result happen. You see, so often when you're in the middle of a decision, you're over-analyzing, trying to work it out and figure it out and make the end happen. When really, what you should be doing is analyzing the condition of the soil of your heart, because if that is good, if it's in a good place then you're going to produce 30, 60, but you know what? If you're willing and not willing to settle, you'll produce a hundredfold. We didn't show up at Milestone and go, hey, oh, you got a campus? We're, we're good leaders. We feel like we're good leaders. We, we need to come, and let's be a part of Milestone. No, no, no. We ended up, we were out here for a season preaching for nine weeks because of a series that we were doing in, our, uh, in Keller that didn't apply out here and along that way, during that time along that journey God began to speak to us and then through different events and different things, falling in line, falling in place, we moved out here a year and a half ago and became campus pastors. Listen, we didn't end up out here because we're that smart. We were just open-handed going, God, we're gonna trust you in the process. We're gonna cultivate the soil of our heart. We're gonna be prepared and ready that as you plant that seed, that we produce a hundredfold. And can I tell you, Wendy and I feel, man, we have a hundredfold blessing because we're exactly where we need to be, doing what we need to do, and there's no place we would rather be because this is where he called But not because we made it happen, but because we trusted God in the process. You see, that whole thing that I just gave you is a summation of the last five years. And really, it's things that Wendy and I have learned over the last 21 years of the actual process of what it looks like to hear God's voice. What, What is that process? How do you hear God's voice? What is the process of hearing God's voice? Well, first is you have to believe he wants to speak to you. Did you know God wants to speak to you? He wants to have a relationship with you. He's not just some far off God. When and I believed, God, you want to speak to us. You want to have a relationship with us. We have a relationship with you. You want to give us clarity and direction. But then came the second part is we trusted that he wanted to speak to us. Is that we had to predetermine to be obedient to whatever it was that he spoke to us to do. This is the hardest part. Because we don't always predetermine, God, I'm going to submit to what you say. We predetermine what we want. We predetermine, this is what I want it to look like. This is what I'm willing to do. This is where I'm willing to go. This is how I want it to look. This is the pay. This is the benefits. This is the outlook. All those things. We predetermine what we want it to look like. But people who grow get outside of their predetermined emotions and their wants and their will, and they say, God, whatever you ask of me, I'm going to submit to that, and that's what I'm going to do. Go back to the, the conversation with Wendy and I when we get passionate in our conversations. I got to predetermine that, God, whatever you're asking of me, that's what I'm going to do. But what happens is oftentimes in marriage, you predetermine that you want to be right. And so you're being right, and that's great, but you know what? You're not reconciled. And there's fracture and friction in your marriage, and you wonder why? Because you put being right over being reconciled and being one. But when you go, God, I'm going to predetermine, then you go, all right, God, whatever you speak, I'm going to walk in obedience to that. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. And then what you do is this. As God begins to speak to you, you filter it through the word of God. So many people make mistakes in life that impact their life in a significant way because they don't filter what they think they heard God say through the word of God. People go, well, you know, uh, you know, God, God told me to leave my wife. God told me to not have integrity in business. I mean, it's not illegal, but I mean, it's bringing in a little extra money, you know? God told me to be disrespectful to my mom and dad and I don't gotta live with them. God told me to move in with my boyfriend and girlfriend. No, he didn't. You wanna know why? Because it doesn't line up with this word right here. Even to the point that if someone who's spiritual in your life gives you wisdom and counsel that doesn't line up to this, they're lying. It is not the word of God. You filter what God says to you through this word right here. This is the ultimate authority. I don't stand over this word and determine what I'm going to pick out of it. I stand under it. I don't take this word and I pull from it like a medicine cabinet for what I need. No, no, no. I wrap my life around it, which means my life is molded to what this word says. That's why it's the filter. Because when you filter something, everything goes through that filter. So my whole life is going through this word and it dictates what do I do. And you will save yourself from so much of the heartache and mistakes that you make. When you stop and you recognize, wait a minute, I made that decision because I predetermined I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Not, I predetermined to submit to God based on what he said. And then filter it through the word. Then what do you do? You get godly counsel. We all need people that are voices in our life that give us wisdom and perspective, helping us understand what it is we're reading, what we feel like God is saying to us, what he's speaking to us in our life. We we lean into that. We all need that. Every single one of us need that. Doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord or not. And then lastly, just keep taking steps. Just keep going. I'm gonna continue to take steps and remain open-handed. God, I'm going to trust you. That's what Wendy and I did. We just, God, we're going to trust you. We're going to keep taking steps. We're going to be open-handed. We're not going to try and force it and make this work. We're going to keep trusting you. So many people sometimes, though, you feel like, well, I'm I'm afraid I'm going to make a mistake. Listen, God's bigger than your mistake. If you're seeking wisdom, if you're filtering those decisions through God's word, if you're saying, God, whatever it is you're asking me, I'm going to submit to that. Listen, maybe you do make a mistake. Listen, it's not a crash and burn, you drove off into an embankment, now it's the end game, it's all over. No, 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 God can meet you where you're at, course correct and help you. It's okay, he's bigger than that. This right here, this is the process of how you hear God. This is what it looks like. You're going, I want to know how to hear God. This is it. This is it believe He wants to speak to me, predetermine I'm going to submit and do what He asked me to do, filter it through the Word of God, discuss with trusted voices, and then I'm going to keep taking steps. So this is what it looks like to hear God's voice, but then what does it look like though to cultivate the soil of our heart? What does it look like to create an environment so we can hear God's voice? Over the next few minutes of our last few minutes together, I want to give you three things. Three things just really quickly to help you cultivate an environment so that you can hear God's voice because this is what we all want this is really what you're wanting whether you knew how to 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 communicate it that way or phrase it that way or not we all want to know God I want to hear your voice and hearing God's voice is part of the process of developing the seeds that he wants to put in your life remember he is the seed God is the farmer you are the soil You have to cultivate and tend to yourself. So how do we cultivate? How do we tend to ourselves? How do we create that environment? First is this. First is this. You have got to admit, okay, and overcome our bias. We've got to admit and overcome our bias. We all have bias. Jesus is talking to a group of people that had a bias. He's talking to us. We all have a bias. The group of people, they had a bias. They thought they knew what the Messiah would look like when he'd show up. They thought he would do things a certain way. They thought that it would look a certain way. They have a bias to how things look. We all have a bias. There's a word. It's called cognitive bias. I'm going to read you the definition. Here's what cognitive bias says. The way a particular person understands events facts and people based on their own particular set of beliefs and expressions that may not be reasonable or accurate that is how this is the world we live in and because technology is the way it is you don't even realize that information is coming to you and everything you listen to you read you watch it's all reinforcing a narrative of your own cognitive bias and you don't even realize it that's why this has got to be the filter. Because we all have a bias and if we're not careful that bias will keep us from cultivating the soil of our heart that will allow us to be able to be good soil that we may produce a hundredfold. You see, we all have bias. You have a bias you, and even now You have a bias listening to me. Maybe this is your first time. You're like, who's this little guy? You know, Chris, who's he about? Man, he talked bad about cats. I don't know. Then he said he liked chihuahuas. What's going on? I don't know. What does he mean? What is this church about? What are they talking about? They're talking about seeds. I mean, are we doing a community garden out here? What's going to happen? What are we doing? Are we going to grow things? He said cucumbers and squash. I don't like that. I'm allergic to squash. Maybe tomatoes. I don't know. You have bias even listening to me. You're going, you're trying to figure it out and you're listening to what I'm saying. You're experiencing this environment based on a bias you don't even realize that you have. We have to admit that we have a bias. We have to remove that bias, not listen through that bias and not make decisions on that bias. You see, the problem is that we come to God and we make major decisions based on two main biases. First is the fear of losing something. I'm afraid. You see, the Pharisees were afraid as they listened to Jesus teach. Man, I'm going to lose my power. I'm going to lose my prestige and my position. The zealots, they were afraid. I'm going to lose my passion. The disciples, they didn't even know what to think. They're like, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to lose my position. What's going on? Why are you talking parables, Jesus? There's a group of people called the Essenes and they were, they were, they were real dialed into this, spe- uh, this specific sect and group of individuals. They thought, well, I'm going to lose my group, this people that I hang out with. Everyone is afraid when fear is the motivator and protecting what you have is the motivator. You're not going to make wise decisions and you're not going to grow and see a hundredfold produced in your life. But here's the second, fear of being a disappointment. You're so worried about what people think that you don't speak the truth that needs to be spoken. And what happens is instead of being able to give the wisdom and the counsel and the perspective to your children. Think about it. Even when you're learning to listen to God's voice, oftentimes, again, it's as I said earlier, you're listening on behalf of someone else, but you're not able to give the wisdom and perspective you need because you're worried about being a disappointment. What will they think about me and what will they feel and what will they how will they respond? So fear of losing something and fear of being a disappointment, are two biased that put us in a position to not make wise decisions and keep us from hearing God's voice. There is a hundredfold for you. You don't have to settle for 30. You don't have to settle for 60. But if you make decisions based on your own bias, you will without even realizing it. Here's the second. We have to evaluate our busyness. Well, we're going to talk more about this next week. But you talk to anyone, what do you hear? You always hear, hey, how are you doing? Busy, 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 busy. Everyone's busy. I'm busy, I'm busy. We're busy. We're always busy. We're running around, and we are busy. But we determine, and we need to evaluate our life and how busy we are. When, When you begin to evaluate and look and go, what am I actually putting my time and my energy on? You see, the most fruitful people don't defend what they already have. They look to evaluate. And see what's keeping them from being a hundredfold. You see, you can be a hundredfold. But if you're too busy, you won't be. Something is keeping you. You only have so much time and energy. So when you evaluate what you're being busy with. COVID-19 brought this to a height. You saw there were people that were already busy. COVID-19, all of a sudden they're working from home. They just got more busy. They, 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 they bought a, a lake house. They started working on that. They remodeled this. They remodeled that. They did all this. I saw an article this past week. RV sales went up through the roof over the last 10 months because people are like, well, man, I'm stuck at home. I might as well get an RV. And so now they're like, hey, you guys coming? Want to be a part of Seeds? Well, you know, I bought this real expensive RV, so now I'm using it every weekend so I can go make the most of it because you're busy, 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 busy. But there's another group of people, and some of them are sitting in this room because I've met you. You begin to realize, well, wait a minute, man, I'm in this season. I actually have liked how it's kind of slowed down. I'm not running from this to that and all these meetings. And yeah, I have Zoom and online, but I feel like I actually have more time. And and wait a minute, you're telling me there's an opportunity to go from a 30 or 60 to a 100-fold. You know, I want to do what it takes to dive in so that I can be 100-fold. They started being real intentional about evaluating where they were putting their time and how busy they were so they could grow and produce to the fullness of what God had called them to produce. So here's the last thing, though. If we're going to cultivate an environment that allows us to really hear from God, is we got to believe God's working even when we can't see it. I love what we were singing just before I came up and that that song and just talking about God's never He's never lost a battle. He wins. I don't know if you know this, you're on a winning team. I mean, everyone wants to win. Well, guess what? Welcome. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you're on a winning team. I don't know if you read the end of this book right here, but guess what? Plot spoiler, we win. We win. Okay? You're on a winning team. You are. But you got to recognize if you're going to cultivate an environment that produces a hundredfold, you recognize and see, listen, I, I want to trust and know that God is working even when I can't see it. There's times where I'll meet with parents and right? I'm Pastor Chris, having a hard time with my, my teenager. I'm like, hey, are they going to elevate? No, no, okay, get them to elevate. Three weeks later, Pastor Chris, I, I, I had them to elevate. Three weeks in a row, they've been there. Nothing's changed. They're 15. You think it's going to change overnight? I mean, they didn't get this way overnight. It's going to take time. See, what happens is we're planting and we're watering. And we don't see the harvest when we want. We wonder, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It takes time. God, you're working even though I don't see it. There's a gentleman last March. He was in a crossroads in his life and all his relationships didn't know what he was going to do. or how. And I just said, listen, I want you to just take a next step. Take a next step. He's like, okay, I'll just, I'll just keep taking steps. He sent me a text yesterday, and you've heard me share it before. It's a little acronym called SOAP on how to to read the word and apply it to your life. He sent me this text. He said, "I, I really did this real deep dive. That's kind of his language. I did this deep dive into this one scripture with SOAP like he told me. And he's like, man, God showed me so much. I can't wait to share it with you. Where did that come from? Because time after time since March, he may not have seen it. He didn't feel like it. He wasn't perfect in the process. He made mistakes, but what did he do? He kept taking a step and taking a step and taking a step. God, you're working even when I don't see it. You're working and moving even when I don't see it. You see, when you think of the process of a seed, you put the seed in the dirt. Well, guess what has to happen? The seed has to go down, down to get the nutrients in order to come up to reach the light. When you're in the middle of a moment and you don't know what's happening and you're not, you don't understand why it's so difficult, you just keep going down. Wendy and I, we're praying about this situation. God, I wish you'd just tell me what to do. Just show me. You know what we're doing? We just keep going down. We're going deeper. God, we want to keep going. We're going to keep tilling and tending to the soil of our heart and our life because we want to produce a hundredfold in our life. And so we're just going to keep going down. We're going to keep going down because even though we don't see it, we know, God, you're still working. We're going to prepare an environment for you to work and to move. Jesus' saying, I know you don't see it, but trust, I'm the good seed. If you'll cultivate the soil of your life, I'll produce a hundredfold in you. But we have to do that. We have to do that. You think about an acorn. My kids, they collect these things. I'll come into my house. I'm like, where are all these acorns coming from? They'll, they'll paint them. They'll name them. I mean, I got, like, acorn family, like, on my my countertop. I'm like, what is happening here? They, like, make smiley faces on them. They're like, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm just throwing them away. They're like, oh, no, why did you kill Bobby? I'm like, what are you talking about? My acorn, you know, it's like acorns everywhere. All over the place. But here's what's amazing about an acorn. I love what Emerson said. He said this. He said, the creation of a thousand forests is in one acorn. You see, what's so unique and powerful about an acorn is this, is that it's soft enough to be able to germinate, but it's hard enough that when it goes down into that soil, it's not destroyed. See, that's what happens in our life. If we'll cultivate the soil of our life, our heart, then we can receive in the seed of Jesus that's planted in our life can produce a hundredfold. See, but some of us, we're not tending to the soil. Some of us, we've got, we just got bad soil. Did you know there's actually soil? Soil that has a lot of clay in it. There is actual soil that you just, it won't grow anything. Like if you know anything about landscaping, if there's certain areas, even in Texas, there's so much clay in the soil, it, it won't grow anything. So you know what landscapes you? They come out, they come in and they remove The soil. They take the bad soil out, that won't produce, and they put new soil, good soil in. You see, that's what it looks like. That's the power of the gospel in Jesus Christ. Is it The reality is, for some of you, you have bad soil. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's toxic, and Jesus comes in, and he makes all things new, and he takes out that bad, that stuff that spiritually dead. He takes out that bad soil, and he puts in new soil. that's good soil, so you may produce a hundredfold. Some of you, your soil's toxic right now because of things you've experienced. The hardening of the soil of your heart, the hardening of your heart because of things you experienced, painful situations and circumstances, things that people said to you, things that you experienced in life, and it's impacted you in a negative way. But Jesus comes in, and he can touch the soil of your heart, and you can tend to that and cultivate it so that you may be able to produce a hundredfold. Who came into your life and tried to poison the soil of your heart? You see, that's what the enemy does because he knows if that seed gets into good soil, it's going to be a hundredfold. So he's trying to poison the soil of your heart, but you don't have to let him.